Welcome to Shift with CJ. I'm your host CJ and together we will explore the areas of health, human performance, biohacking, psychology and much more that will inspire you to become the best version of yourself. With the Shift with CJ podcast, it's your host CJ and today I have a super exciting guest for you on the show. You know that to bring you the best of the best health content, I try to scout all over the world in health experts. And today I have a health expert that you really need to know about. And why is that? Because my guest on the show today, his name is Lucas Anon. He's Australia's biohacking wizard. Now, I'm serious, guys. This guy is a real life wizard. And when it comes, when it, especially when it comes to unlocking the secrets of human body physiology and the mind, He's got over seven years of experiments and he loves playing with things like nootropics and other performance enhancing compounds. Why? Because, you know, you and me need some performance enhancement in our life. So if you're looking for performance enhancement, biohacking, I really suggest you listen to this podcast. And Lucas is the right person that you need to be on your, who needs to be on your team in case you're looking to level up your performance. He likes to look at the big picture he likes to discover groundbreaking things that no one has even heard about. Like, Also, one of the things that I'd like to say is in the biohacking world or in the health and wellness world, there's a lot of recycled information. So you're, chances are if you've been in the industry or you've been listening to a lot of these podcasts all the time, you're going to find a trend that everyone's repeating the same sort of information. But hey, not Lucas. And Lucas, no pressure on you. Lucas, Lucas offers cutting-edge health content, and that's going to blow your mind. From nutrition to research to nootropics to all of these things. So I am super glad to have you on the show. And everyone, please welcome Lucas Anon. CJ, thanks for having me. And that was a, a fantastic introduction. And uh, there's absolutely no pressure now on me. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, you know, I feel under, I feel like not prepared for this interview at all. Because with Lucas coming on board and talking to about talking to us about the uh, nootropic side of things. I just had like a simple plain black coffee this morning. And I'm like, oh my God, I should have got like some things like paracetam or, you know, I should have got some nicotine, but I'm sure Lucas will tell us more. And Lucas, um, you know, it's interesting to talk to you because you also make my life a little bit difficult because you're such a wealth of knowledge. And for me to sort of, you know, use this one hour that you've spared for us and bring bring all that sort of a content it gets difficult so i'm gonna try so no more pressure on me as well and before we dive into the health and wellness uh, aspect of things i want to ask you one thing you really blew up on the internet or like you were one of the one of the very affirming voices when it says that you've got to ice your testicles to increase fertility and testosterone and some of the other health benefits. So let's just address the elephant in the room, right? I know the answer. I might know the answer, but for their listeners, if you if this concept comes in front of someone, they'll be like, why on earth do you have to ice your testicles? So I'm sure you get this all the time. What's your explanation? Yeah, it's a it's a very um, popular practice now, all because of the video that I filmed a number of years ago where I was discussing the benefits of icing the testicles to maximize testosterone production and for fertility. And I remember coming across a particular forum. It was a long, long time ago. And I read this, uh, 
this particular sentence where they're like, and these Russian and Chinese powerlifters used to ice their balls before, you know, trying to break a personal best. And I was like, you know, what's, what's this all about? Is there any legitimate science behind it? And so I dove deeper into the research and I looked at, you know, understanding why the testes, they hang outside of the, of the male body for a reason. They need to be kept cooler than the body's core temperature. And then from there, it snowballed and I, um, no pun intended, from there, basically, um, I looked at the research in terms of uh, something known as nocturnal scrotal cooling, which was a particular um, practice and, and uh, modality for men looking to increase their fertility, sperm count, sperm motility, and things like that. And from there, I actually started practicing it myself. Like I would grab an ice pack, apply it up against my underwear, and I did that every single night um, for 8 to 12 weeks. And I did blood testing before and after, Mm -hmm. and I did see an increase in my total testosterone levels. And I managed to get my testosterone all the way up to 988 nanograms per deciliter naturally. So... Um, yeah, that's that's the the practice there. Sweet. And when you're talking about nine hundred above nine hundred, was this only because of the the icing the balls, or were there some other things? Were you on a testosterone optimization program? Were you incorporating some other herbs, or you know, some of these other practices? Because in this part of the world, testosterone is um, well. Let's say everyone wants it. And everyone's looking at either TRT or, you know, some other kind of injectable therapy to increase testosterone. But very few people are actually looking at natural ways to grow testosterone. And I would be super curious to yeah know, like, was it only icing the testicles or was it something else as well? Well, it's um, I incorporated icing as like the main um, modality, but then also utilizing specific dietary protocols. Um, I was exercising in a specific way that I knew was going to maximize growth hormone and testosterone production. And I was also taking a range of different um, herbal extracts and specific supplements Mm -hmm. that I knew were going to have a positive effect on um, male hormonal health. So in terms of like stacking everything together, I I do think it was the the combination of everything that was really working in a, a synergistic way because I'm sure as, you know, both you and I know, um, first and foremost, the most important thing is nutrition. And when it comes to nutrition, you know, that is a really important factor when we're looking at um, optimizing testosterone production naturally. There are specific foods that we, we know now have, you know, a, a direct effect on improving fertility, um, foods like onions, foods like um, steak, you know, mm-hmm. eggs, um, and a lot of these uh, flavonoid-rich foods, other fruits that have like these polyphenols that have protective effects on the testes. So in terms of like the nutrition approach, there was definitely, you know, the other one is actually olive oil as well. Extra virgin olive oil is very good for um, testosterone production. So there's definitely a synergistic effect with all the different modalities. Oh, well, thank you for sharing that. Yeah, um, you know, 
lowering inflammation in any sort of form and even giving your body this great antioxidant production, not all the time, but some of the times using some of these natural things do, um, do help with testosterone and just even things like you mentioned, like growth hormone production. And I think even icing your balls mm-hmm. at the point that you mentioned about sperm and sperm motility, it also reduces inflammation. And sometimes when you're just in, in a modern world, at least I can say in Dubai, there were, surrounded by concrete, uh, Wi-Fi, EMFs, um, a lot of other things that people are not looking at. And because of that, it, yeah, your total body inflammation can go up. And I think this is a really cool strategy. So I, um, I also did try to put ice packs on my testicles, although I did not stick with it because I tried to do it like two or three nights in a row. And I think I just forgot about it. And it just, I wasn't very committed to the protocol, but uh talking to you today i think i'm going to start it and then i can also um i can also sort of like share my results but is there any other tips that you have like what kind of like can can people just take grab a few eyes do you put it in a plastic bag or you know you need to get some sort of a special i know there's there are some companies that they make uh <laughs> these underwears that have packs for like you can even put like ice cubes there and they actually keep your balls yeah. cold. So what's uh, what's your favorite way to do it? Yeah, so um, from a practical perspective, ultimately the testes just need to be cool. They don't necessarily need to be like frozen or super, super cold. Mm-hmm. Um, but from a very practical standpoint, um, there's a particular website that I like to use. Um, they sell you know good ice packs that are designed like shaped for the actual testes. Um, it's iceyourballs.com. Oh, cool. <laughs> actually, uh, <laughs> yeah, actually. Um, I might have seen them. Connected yeah. with the, the yeah. Um, but otherwise, like if people don't have, they don't want to spend the money on the fancy ice pack, they can simply just use like, you know, those Ziploc um, sandwich bags, for example, yeah, which you can, that you can get from. Put your food in. Yeah, you can just dump a few ice cubes in there, like two, two to three ice cubes, yeah. and then just apply that up against the underwear, and that, that can work if you're, you know, if you're on an air, an airplane, you can simply ask the uh, the flight attendant, "Hey, do you have any do you have any Glad wrap or an ice pack?" Yeah, that's that, that's interesting. I'm sure even in her wildest dreams, she wouldn't know why this was for. But that's that's an interesting hack on the aircraft, which also is one of the places where inflammation tends to rise up really fast. Um, and also you're, if you're sitting down most of the times, chances are, you know, you're, you have lack of movement, there's a lot of pressure. Yeah, so that, that's a cool hack. Um, do you touch, so let's say you, you wear your underwear and then the, the ice pack has to be on top of the underwear, correct? Yeah. Never, ever, never, ever apply the ice pack directly to the skin. That's mm-hmm. like a, a mistake. Yeah that men make is because that can actually burn the skin yeah i didn't have a pleasant experience so uh, i can i can vouch for that like i i was like oh perfect if i can get it more closer then it'll be better like like everything right we always think something of one thing is good so a lot of it will be better but ah, nature has its own ways so thank you so much for sharing that you also mentioned about a certain type of exercise you did for increasing growth hormone and testosterone can you briefly tell us like what sort of exercise is that? 
Is it heavy lifting? Or yeah, sure. So, yeah, definitely a mixture between um, like hypertrophy and strength-based training. So keeping the rep ranges anywhere from 5 to 12, mm-hmm. that was like usually the, the rep range. I know it's quite a wide range, but um, also incorporating um, some degree of like sprint training or high-intensity interval training. Um, I found that like generally speaking, what I found is even – even in the literature, um, DHT, which is dihydrotestosterone, the stronger metabolite of uh, testosterone, it's more powerful than testosterone, is actually increased following uh, sprinting training. So I was doing two sessions a week of very, very high intensity like sprint training. And if you, it's pretty obvious. I mean, if you have a look at a, a sprinter's physique a sprinting body versus you know a marathon runner there's a very big difference in terms of you know their muscle accumulation muscle muscle acuity yeah yeah even the quality of their muscle the way it looks it's 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 beautiful and so when you're doing these sprinting protocols are you doing some sort of a high intensity interval training or high intensity uh, repeat training yeah so usually what i would do is i would do about a 70 to 80 meter dash, like yeah. 70 to 80 meters. And then I'd follow that by about a 30 second rest break. And I'd repeat that up to 20 times. Oh, wow. Um, and that would be like my typical session. Mm. Wow, that's intense. That That is intense. Yeah. Um, I would normally, you know, I used to do quite a while back. I was doing, I was working out for mitochondrial optimization and um, building mitochondrial density. So I was doing this um, sprints, which was about 20 to 30 seconds. And yeah, all out 20 to 30 seconds, take one to four work to rest ratio. And um, yeah, then about, if I did 30 seconds, then about three minutes, I'll rest and then I'll do it again. But I was only doing it for like seven or eight rounds and you've pushed it to 20 rounds. So I might just, you know, I, I normally do it after my workout. So if I have a strength training workout, I'll just quickly do six or seven rounds to finish up either at the beach or sometimes I'll use the assault bike. I'll try to make it a little bit vasperish by putting blood flow restriction bands. And I think that also gives me a quite, quite a bit, uh, quite a bit of boost at least. Uh, one thing I wanted to take your opinion on was there's some, there's some thoughts in in the literature and even anecdotally that after a workout you have a massive increase in or an upward climb in growth hormone and um, testosterone specifically but then if you consume a meal especially most of the people who are looking at you know getting bigger or hypertrophy they might be mixing some sort of a combination of carbs and protein on a higher carb thing and as soon as carbs hit the system the the testosterone starts to drop. So have you, do you have any new updated research on this or like what's your, what's your post-workout sort of meal or shake or how do you time it? Yeah, this is um, like, this comes back to, well, post-workout, there is going to be an incline, like a surge in testosterone and growth hormone and a lot of the other anabolic hormones. But um Cortisol is actually very high as well post-workout. Um, like cortisol and adrenaline levels, they're going to be very high. Now, combining protein and carbs post-workout is a very good strategy 
to accelerate um, muscle recovery and repair because we're going to be the carbohydrates are needed to suppress the cortisol. Mm-hmm. So carbohydrates um, reduce the cortisol, and then they also help to fuel and support the thyroid gland. You know that's really important for um, general metabolism and fat loss. And so, like the ideal sort of post-workout meal, like something that I would typically have would be simply like a very balanced meal. It might be like salmon with um, white rice, mm-hmm. or it might be um, like a piece of steak or like some sort of like high quality organic sourdough bread post-workout. Um, so really I think, yeah, the post-workout nutrition, the sooner you can get the carbohydrates in post-workout, the faster you can synth- uh, re-synthesize muscle glycogen mm-hmm. and it's the muscle glycogen that is needed for that next workout. It's about that refueling for your next workout sort of thing. Okay, cool. So, of course, you so you're you don't completely come under the keto camp, do you? With, with... <laughs> nah, I'm I'm somewhere. No. Okay, great. No. Have you have you given it a shot? Like, what's your take on yeah, ultra low carb or like let's say a ketogenic diet or even like things like cyclical ketogenic diet that is now being more appreciated than you know five seven years ago where it was like oh, no carbs, no no nada, nothing. You know, so. yeah. My, I mean, I think I do think ketogenic, like cyclical ketogenic diets, can be really powerful and really effective um, for resetting like insulin sensitivity. Um, but me personally, because I'm uh, exercising every day, like almost every day, very very high intensity, um, I simply just don't perform as well if I'm on a if I'm on a low carb diet. Like currently. Um, I'm having about 300 to 400 grams of carbs per day. Um, and that's the sort of approach that I was taking when I was trying to optimize my testosterone. And mm-hmm. I mean, the proof was in the pudding in terms of my blood test results. Everything was looking good across the board. Um, and in saying that, I also have a, I have a sweet tooth. Um, I, uh, I love, I love my carbs. <laughs> so what does, Australia's number one biohacker eat for sweets in a healthier way. <laughs> uh, well, I mean, for me, it's uh, I'll have like um, sourdough bread with like strawberry jam, for example, mm-hmm. or like um, some oats with like berries and honey, like just basic meals like that. Okay, so you're keeping um, it. And every now clean. and then, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not. I'm not. Like I'm not as strict as people might think I am, even though I know so much about nutrition, I still like to enjoy myself. Well, that's a superpower. That's a superpower. Sometimes it used to happen to me. I was, I'm completely opposite. I'm super strict and, you know, just like, oh man, this is the protocol. I'm like that horse that doesn't see anything else. I get hyper-focused and I'm like, I've just got to do it. So, so many stories. But one of the things that um, everyone used to tell me was, Hey CJ, like uh, it would be so cool if I knew what you knew, like you know, in terms of health or nutrition or like some hacks or all these things. I'm like, listen, you like if you want to live your life and you're just like you know, you're you're not overweight, you're not obese, you're all everything is good with you. You're exercising and knowing so much is like it so for me personally, and I'm trying to improve on that. It kind of shuts me off from all of these other things. So if you can know so much and still be able to sort of like 
put your thoughts aside and enjoy it, man. Congratulations. You figured out the code. <laughs> I always keep telling my friends. So, okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, you know, it involves so much of this mind control as well, but let's, let's talk about mind. One of the other things that um, you are really famous for and what you have really brought to the table are these different tools of cognitive enhancement. And you sometimes call it non-psychedelic cognitive enhancement. Now we know that psychedelics can do a few things. It, I mean, it enhances your cognitive, not just cognitive faculties, but like other dimensions of your mind in a different way. But what do you mean by non-psychedelic cognitive enhancement? Yeah, well, this comes back to a particular receptor in the brain that a lot of these psychedelics seem to interact with, and that is the serotonin 5-HT2A serotonin receptor, in which a lot of these powerful psychedelics like psilocybin, LSD, mescaline, um, MDMA is not really a psychedelic, but it's sort of an empathogenic. Um, a lot of these compounds they do interact with that particular serotonin receptor. But there is also a way to um, impact that receptor without the psychedelic effect. And it is actually possible to do that with a particular type of a, su a super critical standardization of a, of a herb, which I'm sure you're familiar with, um, Bacopa monieri. Are you familiar mm -hmm. with Bacopa? Mm -hmm. It's um, one of those um, things that a, have been passed down for generations of ancestral wisdom, especially around the Indian subcontinent. And even, I think, uh, more moving towards China, we call it um, the word that we have it for Ayurvedic sciences is called Brahmi. And it's like a brain tonic. It's referred to as a brain tonic. That's correct. Yeah. And that's the one that we learned about um, when I was studying naturopathy. Um, every single lecturer would say this is the best like brain herb because it's great for um, improving learning and memory and restoring memory performance. But there's a particular particular constituent, like these herbs, as you and I know, they contain thousands of different chemicals and constituents found within the herb. So when, when you're taking a herb like Bacopa monieri, you're taking a beautiful array of different constituents, different uh, compounds that interact with different parts of the body, interacting with the liver, the kidneys, and affecting the brain. And now if we hyper-focus on um, how it affects the brain, there's a particular constituent, one of the many things, called um, ebilin lactone, which is found within Bacopa monieri that appears to possess a it, it, it basically has a it, it's a positive allosteric modulator of that serotonin 5-HT2A receptor which means that we can use this particular form of bacopa monieri to give us some of the similar effects that we get from psychedelics without any of the hallucination or any of the um, trippy effects interesting and this specific form of Bacopa Monieri, is it, um, is it available? Is it still in research? Or it, does it mean that also one of the things that uh, I would like to get your opinion on for Bacopa Monieri is that you don't really start seeing the effects. Like it takes a certain amount of time that you need to start supplementing it with. Yeah. If I recall correctly, it's about three 
at least three weeks and then you start seeing the results. So yeah, so is there a specific kind of Bacopa or you need to take it in higher quantities? Yeah, so um, I actually did a like a really good breakdown um, on my YouTube channel. There's like a particular, it's a particular type of Bacopa that I explain in my YouTube channel. People want to check that out. And, and you're definitely correct that um, it needs to be used longer term to really elicit the effects. Um, it can't, it's not really a short term. Most people, when they take Bacopa, they notice slight sedation slash anti-anxiety effects. Like they'll notice they'll feel a bit more calm and relaxed. Um, personally, I don't, I don't like that effect myself because like, I mean, I'm a busy entrepreneur. You go, you know, go, all go all the time. <laughs> I get that. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it can be good to have like in the evening if you want to like chill or relax. Um, but that's something I struggle with as well. Mm. Have you found any sort of, uh, and it's just everyone, right? We're all, especially, like, I, I keep telling, I keep having conversations with random people, right? Sometimes it's the Uber driver or someone. It's just random people around. And I keep telling them, like, is time going fast for you as fast as it's going for me? They're like, yeah, man. And I'm like, man, like, five or seven years ago, time was going at the same speed, but, like, everyone was less busier, like, and then you rewind it back 10 years ago. And then sometimes I think, oh, it's the phone. And then... Or it's the internet. And I'm like, man, 10 years ago also there was internet, but like we weren't as go, go, go as we are right now. But so that's the that's a modern world that we live in. And, you know, sometimes it could be very helpful and sometimes we need to just know how to play around it. Have Were you able to figure out what's that calming, um, well, let's say apart from Bacopa, is there anything in your stack that you use to calm yourself down because a lot of people are, especially in metropolitan cities, you know, this that they're wired and tired and constantly over caffeinated, super stimulated. And then they add the workouts and then the fasting and then the keto. And then, you know, it, it, yeah, it's, it's just a recipe for disaster. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I mean, there's, um, there's a particular seaweed that I like to use as a, like a particular, um, extract it's uh it's called eclonia carva mm -hmm. um and it's a brown seaweed it's which has been studied extensively in japan in fact they've spent over 30 million dollars researching this particular seaweed um for its health benefits and it's definitely legitimate it's definitely got some really solid evidence um as far as improving various aspects of health and it's probably it's one of my go-to's as a calming uh, anti-stress and also really good for increasing deep sleep so that's a um, seaweed extract that i like to use about 60 to 90 minutes before bed um, and that has a really powerful effect on lowering cortisol um, increasing alpha waves in the brain um, and improving gaba tone as well oh cool and people can do you have a resource for this where people can find uh this one um, so I went through, like, I tested out different vendors for Eclonia Carver and um, I only found one that actually I noticed a difference. Um, so if people want to check that out, it's on my website, um, ergogenic.health. Yeah. Yeah. And you have some fantastic resources on your website. So 
if you're listening from Dubai or you're listening from anywhere in the world, make sure you go to his website and he's got a lot, like every minute that you spend on his content on his website, the ROI is huge. So I highly recommend you do that. <laughs> and I, I mean, you know, when you're talking about seaweed and some of these benefits, it is, could it be because seaweed also that we know is one of the highest sources, natural sources of iodine and the lack of sort of iodine in our diets or even some of these other chemicals that have been showing up in our food and water supplies, such as fluoride, that can, um, having like higher amounts of iodine is sort of bringing all those benefits. Because there's quite quite a few people I think, around the world, they, they always will tell you like, grab that iodine, grab that iodine, even in mega doses. It's a really good point because we know that iodine is really important for brain development um, as a baby, like, you know, infancy. But, um, yeah, definitely the benefit of um, seaweed intake is that we're going to be increasing our iodine consumption and, and the, the fact that fluoride is so prevalent in our diet and also in our water, um, that can compete with iodine uptake in the body. And so when we have competitive uptake, that's going to affect the most important gland, what I think is the most important gland in the body, and that is the thyroid gland that sits you know, in your throat area. That's, that's what I call is the spark plug of the body. It, it regulates everything. With, it re- regulates all different processes within the body, and there's no possible way you can be healthy with suboptimal thyroid function and thyroid hormone output. Um, if your thyroid hormones are insufficient or that you're not producing enough, um, there's no possible way you can maintain good health because that's how important these thyroid hormones are. What do you do to upregulate your thyroid hormones? <laughs> um, so there's a range of supplements and um, different foods that I use. Um, so what I said before around um, the carbohydrate intake, mm-hmm. Carbohydrates can directly upregulate um, the conversion of T4 to T3, which is important for thyroid hormone output. Um, and then making sure I get sufficient amounts of the, the minerals like iodine, zinc, selenium, magnesium, and L-tyrosine or L-phenylalanine. Mm-hmm. Um, these are like really important to improve and optimize thyroid function. And then minimizing the exposure to fluoride because you know fluoride exposure and even other heavy metals such as arsenic, lead, cadmium, um, these can have a deleterious effect on thyroid hormones. Interesting. Yeah. What are your sources of minerals? Do you um, take them externally? I know Australia is very strict with their health regulations. Do you, you guys still get it from your food or you have to supplement it? <laughs> um, uh, wait, before you say this, I'll, I'll tell you a story. Before you say this, I'll tell you a story and why I say this. So I landed in Australia, right? Once. I was in Sydney, get into Sydney and then I'm like the baggage check is going on. And then suddenly the officers are like, can you open your bag? And now I'm like, yeah, for sure. Like this, you know, I've heard so much about Australia and the way they find people and all that stuff. And I'm, I opened my bag and I'm like, oh shit, did I, for, did I forget some food or, you know, cause I was supposed to eat it on the, on the aircraft, but I did pack in a rush. So I was like, oh man, this is, you know. I think I'm going to get into some trouble. And then 
they, I used to run a lot at that time. And then I had my running shoes with some dirt on it. And they were like, where has this shoes been? I'm like, I mean, I have, you know, it's been on some of the roads in Dubai and like somewhere else. It's like, are you sure? And like, they questioned me for like 10 minutes around like the dirt of the shoe. And then they send the shoe. And I'm like, oh my God, like, you know, this is the, the healthiest nation on the planet, maybe. So yeah, that's that. That's why I say you know that's why that's why I made that joke. Oh, you can make that joke because it's it's very true. It's very relevant. I mean, they're they're so strict. They're so strict on things that are not like you don't have to be strict on. And then all of and then, I mean, what about the fact that you know alcohol and cigarettes are legal? Like that's a whole different discussion mm-hmm. altogether. But yeah, definitely, definitely agree. Yeah, so, um, okay, we spoke about... Yeah, so you, you're going to tell me about your mineral source. Yeah, I mean, I I do use quite a lot of um, brewer's yeast. Have you ever used brewer's yeast? No, I haven't. Uh, brewer's yeast is rich in B vitamins and some other minerals and things like that. Um, like, I'll have coconut water for the electrolytes quite a lot. Like, I enjoy... actually enjoy coconut water. Um, and then... Yeah, with the other minerals, I try and get them through my diet. Like, um, you know, for example, zinc. I used to take a lot of zinc, mm-hmm. but now I take zero. I don't take any zinc because um, my blood test shows that I've got sufficient levels of zinc from my diet. Um, well, my diet's enough to maintain zinc levels. Um, magnesium I'll take every now and then. Um, but yeah, that's like basically my approach. Okay, cool. I um, hear our vegetables are shipped from all over the world and they have some sort of, I mean, they're not optimal. So I would normally add like an electrolyte solution during the day. Well, it'll, it's either trace liquid minerals or some sort of a, a complete trace mineral profile, which even gets you those micro micro minerals like lithium and stuff like that. So that's, that's what I try to do um, for minerals. And I couldn't agree more like, Minerals is one of the most underrated things in the health and wellness industry overall because, you know, sometimes some of the electrolytes might might be favored, but that whole complete mineral profile is just so, it's just so important, especially if you're in the game for peak performance and cognition and longevity and all of the things together. Um, so you spoke about like the calming thing and then you spoke about Bacopa Minori. What about the other thing in the brain, which is also very important, dopamine. Uh, and again, to to be wired and to be, you know, having that pleasure circuits on or the reward circuits on or the motivation circuits on, then we need an ample amount of dopamine going through our system. What's your hack with dopamine? Yeah, so when it comes to dopamine optimization, I mean, it's incredibly important for alertness, confidence, drive, motivation, um, resilience, and the ability to just not give up. And, you know, dopamine really is the molecule of more. And um, as far as ways to optimize dopamine, well, speaking of minerals, we can look at amino acids. And there's a particular amino acid, which basically for those listening in, amino acids are the building building blocks of protein. Um, and we need to consume something known as like the essential amino acids. There's like nine um, essential amino acids. And one of them 
I like to take in supplemental form. It's called L-phenylalanine, which if you take that by itself, which I did just 20 minutes before this podcast, um, I took it under the tongue because I knew I needed energy and focus and and uh, mental sharpness. And uh, I just dropped that underneath my tongue, like the powder, and let it sit there for a bit. And then within 10 to 15 minutes, I feel like more alert, less fatigued, um, less brain fog, just more mental sharpness. And so that basically is just acting as a precursor to dopamine. Um, so this is the opposite to serotonin. So when my serotonin levels are high, I feel sluggish. I have brain fog. I feel fatigued. I feel drowsy. Um, I don't want to do work. I want to watch TV, sit on the couch and be lazy. Whereas when my dopamine levels are high, I want to do work. I want to get work done. I want to be productive. I want to work out. I want to train. My libido is high. Everything is working. Everything is in check when dopamine levels are high from my experience. And um, what are, I mean, that's that's really good to know that dopamine has so many different functions. Um, phenylalanine is good, but what about, is there any side effects of taking anything to increase dopamine in the synapses? And like, because, and correct me if I'm wrong, uh, I think of dopamine as, you know, the more you sort of, engage with it or the more you use it you actually deplete from your total dopamine pool or reserves in the body and sometimes a lot of dopamine which could be like for example lots of sex and music and you know working out and you know probably nicotine and all of these things that give you a lot of like drive and pleasure together you'll do it and you'll feel great and in the moment you can like crush a lot of things but then it but then let's say a few hours later, then when that dopamine is coming down and you've used way too much than you should have, then you sort of, you know, feel a little bit blah during the day and sometimes you're not motivated. And then you might again try to, if you, especially in the whole biohacking world, then you know the key to unlock it. So you might try that more. So is there like a negative feedback loop or something around dopamine that people should be careful about? Yeah, it's a really, really intelligent question. It's something that comes up quite a lot because um, there are there are ways to hijack the dopamine system with substances like nicotine, caffeine, um, amphetamines, and things like that, and stimulants. But the thing is, most of those compounds are depleting, which means that um, they'll acutely increase levels of dopamine, but they'll inevitably lead to a come down or a crash. And the crash, if the crash leaves you below baseline, let's say you take nicotine, for example, which is a great stimulant and dopaminergic, it increases your performance plus 50% above baseline. So you're operating at 150% of your capacity. And then the next day you're operating at 50% of your capacity. And is it worth it? That's the question I ask. So, I look at that substance and say, well, for me, if I had a really important deadline or a really important task that I needed to get done, then maybe it's worth it because then the next day I can kick back and relax and chill out. But <laughs> there are compounds out there that can actually um, upregulate the production of dopamine long term. Mm-hmm. So that's a 
it's a compounding benefit over time so that we don't get these ups and downs. Instead, we're getting a gradual rise in the baseline levels of dopamine. And that is the key to success, in my opinion. Amazing. Okay, so, and you think, um, given all the research and your own data, that L-bean and alanine is that one compound that can increase it over time. What about like L-tyrosine, the other thing that uh, L-dopa or macuna, macuna purines? How about those yep. ones? Do they do they build up or uh, do they sort of like put you uh, behind below baseline? Uh, L-tyrosine is another one that I, I definitely approve of. Like it's great to use, but then uh, Macuna is more of a higher risk because um, it's so closely, it's so directly increases dopamine that it's it shortcuts circuits in the brain that can actually lead to again, a little bit of dependency and toler- and um, addiction, mm-hmm. it will work. I've used Macuna probably like, I don't know, 30, 40 times in my life. Um, and I've always noticed <clears throat> a very rapid, a really euphoric effect from Macuna. And I feel fantastic. Like I feel like I'm, a, like I'm, I'm on speed. Mm-hmm. Um, but the thing is, I do notice a mass, like I do notice a come down, unfortunately, the next day. Cool. So we'll stick to the, for the listeners, stick to the phenylalanine, experiment with L-tyrosine and yeah, get in touch with Lucas or me and tell us how you feel and how the experience was. The next, um, so we were talking about some of these natural amino acids. Let's shift gears to something else. You talk about Bamitil, which is a synthetic adaptogen uh, sort of a compound. To be honest, I never heard of Bamitil. What is it, and what are your experiences around it? Uh, yeah, sh- share it with us some light. This is why I like talking to you know bring for the listeners. This is why I like bringing on people like Lucas because you can just like throw all these new researches and questions on them, and they can like they're like okay, here's here's the deal, and it just cuts through so many hours of reading or research because like they've done it. But thank you, I really appreciate you, Lucas, for doing all of that for us. Yeah, of course, of course. Well, um, and I appreciate the feedback. Well, Bematil, Bematil is what's known as a synthetic adaptogen. Now, adaptogen simply refers to any herbal compound, compound or supplement that can modulate your body's ability to, to tolerate stress. Um, so it has a normalizing effect on your biology. A great example of this is ginseng. Um, your listeners will probably know of um, ginseng, Panax ginseng, or they might know of rhodiola as another herb that's amazing as an adaptogen. Um, but Bemetil is a synthetic adaptogen and it possesses some interesting effects as far as um, how it can normalize bodily functions. Now, originally Bemetil was developed in the 1970s in the, in the Soviet Union um, and it was actually used successfully during the um, Afghanistan war and the Chernobyl catastrophe. And it's even a banned supplement now in the Olympics because it it can enhance athletic performance um, so dramatically that it can do it without any real major side effects. I mean, I've used it a number of times myself over the years. I've done cycles two weeks on and then just stopped taking it. Um, 
And the exact purpose of the drug is to increase physical and mental performance during stressful conditions. Um, and it's designed to accelerate the recovery process um, following physical exertion. And if we look at like how it does this, it's not a stimulant per se. It doesn't just hijack the body and make it operate faster. Basically, what it does is it helps to increase ATP, which is you know creatine, um, methylene blue, uh, acetylalkanotine. All of these compounds can help to increase mitochondrial function, but bemetil can also do the same thing, increasing um, ATP production and supporting ATP synthesis and gluconeogenesis. So really, I think bemetil is a, it is a powerful um, synthetic adaptogen, but just no one knows about it, particularly in the Western countries. Like Australia, no one would know about it here. In, in this part of the world also, no one would know about it. But I intend to change that. How do we get hold of this bemetil? What's the, what's the easiest way? Um, I, I, again, it's also... It is also linked on my website. There's a particular right. vendor that I've selected. So yeah, people can find that there. Okay. So again, go to Lucas's website. It, it's it's quite interesting. Bemetil is, and thank you for highlighting this because I think you're one of those people who always brings to light a lot of these compounds. Uh, I'm not sure, but did you, in some of your previous videos or a few months ago, also mention paraxanthine? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What's your uh, what's your take on paraxanthine? Uh, another thing that not a lot of people would know about, so you can give them like a small intro <clears throat> to it. Well, not not many people would know about it because it's it is also very brand new. But I think in 2023, by this time, let's say December of 2023, uh, my guess, my prediction will be that it will be the most popular ingredient in pre-workout supplements mm -hmm. um, by the end of this year. I'm already uh, thinking of designing a, something with paraxanthine in it, like not just pre-workout, but yeah, some sort of like an, some sort of like a focus supplement. So that's why I want to get to know your take. I haven't tried it yet though. I want to yeah. get my hands on it. Well, it definitely, it can stack really well with some other compounds, but basically paraxanthine is a metabolite of caffeine. Um, so caffeine gets broken down into paraxanthine. Um, and it's basically, well, it has all of the benefits of caffeine without the side effects. So it doesn't increase, um, anxiety as much as caffeine does. It, um, has a, a better effect on mood. It, it also improves cognitive flexibility. Um, and it just affects the body in a very different way to caffeine. Um, it's more of a, I would say it's more of a mood brightener, um, less so than anti-fatigue. So it's definitely a, an interesting molecule. Interesting. Thanks for sharing that. You mentioned anti-fatigue. One of the other things that I wanted to talk to you about is your, well, protocol or your suggestion on how to banish fatigue by using or megadosing on B1, which is thiamine. Right, it is thiamine, correct? Yeah, that's correct. Yeah, vitamin B1, which is thiamine. Um, so the way I like to discuss vitamin B1 is all of the B vitamins are important, 
they're all very important for just like the minerals are also very important. Um, the vitamin B1 is unique because anytime you in, ingest, anytime you eat carbohydrates, your body depletes, it, it uses up your vitamin B1 stores. And so when this is something what we've seen with clients, you know, a number of clients that I've worked with, by taking vitamin B1 with either breakfast or lunch, it completely eliminates the afternoon crash. There is no more afternoon fatigue, slump. You know, people get tired. If they have pasta or lasagna, let's say they have a high-carbohydrate meal mm -hmm. for lunch, but they take vitamin B1 in high doses, it doesn't, they won't get the fatigue and crash after that meal. Um, so it can help to block that um, fatigue after a meal by maintaining intracellular um, energy levels. Interesting. And um, do we get, uh, I'm sure we do, but like, do you, can you take like a B complex, which has all the B vitamins or you have to specifically look for a B1? Uh, so the B complex, so like the B, B complex, it doesn't have the same effect when you take it as a, as a B complex. I've tried it. I've already experimented with that. I wish it was, I wish it was as good, but it's just not. When you take it in isolation, it, the body responds differently versus in a formula. And when you say megadosing, is there a number that you like to see on the supplement? Um, anywhere from 100 to 600 milligrams mm -hmm. of um, thiamine HCL. Um, that's like the regular cheap. It costs like six dollars mm -hmm. on Amazon. Yep. But there's a more advanced version um, called Thiamax. It's a more bioavailable form of vitamin B1. Um, that can also be found on my website. It's a more potent form of vitamin B1. Great. Thank you for sharing that. And I think we've been discussing so many interesting things. I have um, made mental notes. And of course, I'm going to try all of these things and experiment. Um, but I want to also check with you, like, for your current health optimization journey how does a day in your life look like like what are some of the non-negotiables that you are that's like for sure a yes yes for you um and if you can link some of those things with like health or mental health or emotional health or anything that the listeners can take from your schedule i would appreciate that well um for me the one thing that started during um lockdown during COVID was buying a, a treadmill desk. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm actually walking 15 to 20,000 steps per day whilst I'm working and I'm super productive, great mental clarity. So first thing in the morning is I do 10,000 steps before my first meal every day. I just do it every single day um, and that helps to keep me lean, uh, helps to keep me focused. So non-negotiable for me is doing like at least 10, 15,000 steps, 15, 20,000 steps per day. Mm -hmm. And then also doing, I train, I work out five, five to six days a week. Um, but yeah, my typical day at the moment is like uh, consulting, developing courses, developing content, developing videos, a lot of content creation mm -hmm. um, and responding to emails and then, yeah, I might do something social in the evening, like going out with some friends and stuff, like trying to get out and about and meeting new people at different events. 
um, which is what I, that's the one thing I, I, I really uh, undervalued the importance of is like social, con- I mean, social connection, social connection for me, I think overrides everything that I've just spoken about because without good social support, a good friendship circle, closeness with your family, like that is the, the best biohack in my opinion. Um, it's something that I realized has a really distinct effect on your spirit, like your general you know, presence. And we also see this uh, very good point. We also see this all around the world where they, there are these geographical hotspots or blue zones where people are living in a, like basically they're defying the status quo and they're all in their 90s or 100s, still riding a bike, still going shopping for themselves, still gardening. And one of the most essential features of all of these geographical locations is is that community time or family time or you know knowing the name of your neighbors and like uh, after 5 30 or 6 everyone joins for dinner downstairs where maybe you're living in a building with maybe 10 flats and everyone's going to know each other everyone's going to take care about each other whether it's family whether it's friends so i think that social component is so important in overall Wellness, because if you if you look at if you look at all of these people, they they don't they're not biohackers. They don't have some of these. They don't even have access to some of these supplements that we do. And um, yeah, they don't know anything about science, but they're still living an extraordinary life, a life full of meaning, passion, purpose, and that comes from that community. I always tell people that social disconnect or this this way where we think that we can survive by ourselves is such a delusion because whether it's in a, you know, whether it's in a Petri dish or whether it's in like a tribe or in a flock, you take that one person, animal cell away from the rest. Chances are that cell animal or person is going to get sicker. They're going to have problems because we were designed to, you know, thrive when we're in the company of each other. Um, in Africa, they have this saying that, um, if you want to if you want to walk fast walk alone but you're only going to get to a certain point just if you just want to do that but if you want to lock, walk if i can say that right if you want to walk long then get a company and um and yeah like if you want to go in this game of life and you want to walk for a very long time and make sure your social connections are powerful thanks for sharing that and you mentioned about events one of the things that i did not mention to you guys in the beginning of this is that we are organizing the world biohack summit you guys have heard about it before may 30 and 31st and if you like today's content you're going to be excited exonerated because we're getting lucas as a speaker at the conference so lucas is going to be here or the summit lucas is going to be here we're going to hang out we're going to please come on to the event you will be able to meet lucas he'll be on the stage presenting about a top secret uh, topic but it's going to blow your minds away and we're going to present to you practical information on how you can optimize your life lucas you're excited to come here to this part of the world i'm um- I'm so excited. I, uh, I'm looking forward to meeting up with yourself and meeting other fellow like-minded uh, biohackers. <laughs> yeah, and if you're if you're in Dubai, we are. Um, you can come see us at the event, but we're also trying to arrange other activities around the event. So if you want to get in touch with me, 
and um, there's going to be Lucas. There are going to be other speakers from all over the world. We can actually curate something for you while you know Lucas is traveling thousands and thousands of miles while he's here. You might as well make good use of it. So throw in your ideas. What do you want to do? You want to sit down in a community style meetup. You want to do another kind of talk. Whatever you guys want to do, we'll review it and we'll see if it allows. Um, yeah, if it allows Lucas schedule and some of the others. So we'll do that for you. Just get in touch with us and let us know. And Lucas, before I let you go, my one of my final questions to you is, if you had a time machine and you could go back in time to any age that you want to, what would be that one piece, or maybe you can give yourself two pieces of advice um, that you would give yourself? I mean, of course, buying Bitcoin would be on everyone's list, but apart from buying Bitcoin, what would you say? <laughs> Wow, that's a tricky, tricky question. Mm -hmm. um, oh, this is what I'd say to myself. I would say you don't have to rush. You don't have to rush. Like I, if I look back at, if I were to look back at myself three or four years ago, um, when I had, I guess like when I had this incredible amount of like uh, desperation to be, to be, to be well known and just uh, like to just showcase my knowledge. I was in such a rush mm -hmm. and, you know, looking back now, I'm like, oh, you know, I'm like, I'm 26 years old now and like there's so much more to do. There's so much more in the future to look forward to. There's there's no rush. Everything, all is well. All is well. Well, and with all of your biohacks, you, you have way more time than everyone else. But Lucas, it has been such a pleasure and for people his lesson could be yours. So if you're ask yourself, if you're rushing too much in life, if you're having that nearsightedness that, you know, you can only put your, you can only, your eyes can only see a certain amount, right? But that's not what reality is. Reality goes way beyond what your eyes can see. And that's how your future is as well. Don't limit yourself by what you can see. There is, the world is yours. Don't rush. Take it easy. Be nice to the people around you. And this is me, CJ, your host, signing out from the Shift with CJ podcast. I hope you enjoyed today. Lucas, thank you so much for all the great work that you're doing, your research, your website, you're making our lives easier, even easier by like just trying the product out and putting it out there. Um, if you want to um, tell the listeners your website again, and is that the way they can reach you if someone wanted to get uh, you know, some, they wanted your advice or they wanted to do some consultation with you. Is that the best? Yeah, way? they can um, check out my, yeah, definitely um, ergogenic.health. Um, and they can actually find me on YouTube if they search um, boost your biology, boost your biology on YouTube. That's like where I post so much like high quality content um, on YouTube. Yeah. Great. So have a look at that. Um, you will also find Lucas's Instagram links and all of those things in the show notes. So we'll put that for you. And Lucas, man, it's been a pleasure. Thank you so much for bringing your time, energy, patience, and um, good on you for having that feeling, Adeline, <laughs> before this thing. Thanks. Thank you so Thanks, much. Thanks, CJ. Thank you, man. I'll uh, see you in Dubai. Your time and presence with us through this podcast is highly appreciated. If you want to learn more, then head over to our website, www.shiftwithcj.com.